see everyone in the Lord's house this morning. It's so good. Hey, man, pray, man. We have a lot of folks that are still out that are sick with the cold and whatnot, and I'm still playing with my voice. Good to see you, brother. Good to see you guys. But um, listen, I wanted to share something with you all this morning before we get into the Word this morning. If you look over here to my right, to your left, uh, you'll notice there's a big old thermometer over here. And uh, so what I want to share about this thermometer is uh, it has been determined that uh, our roof is going to be ne- it's going to need to be replaced as far as the shingles and stuff uh, within the next 18 months to two years. And so what we wanted to do was is that it was uh, brought up in, the, in our business meeting that we had, our first one. It was brought up and, uh, and it said that uh, uh, we said, well, let's just do a thermometer and let's see. And we need to raise approximately around $70,000 what we need to raise. So we want to get a head start on it. So we got some time. I don't know how much time we got. It depends on, you know, the grace of the good Lord and the roof not leaking and all that good stuff. Uh, but we wanted to kind of get a head start on it. So what I want you to do is, this is going to be in the foyer, and you're going to see it in there every week, and we'll adjust it. Uh, uh, and as you are felt led to give uh, towards that, uh, through the roof fund, uh, what I want you to do is just uh, whatever money you contribute to that, uh, just put it in the envelope that's in your pew, and what I want you to do is just mark, uh, just put roof on it, all right? That way the, the ladies know when they count the money, they know that's, that's designated for the roof fund, okay? That's an offering that you're giving above your tithes and offerings. Oh, thank you, honey. And th- these are the offering envelopes, and right on there you can just put where it says other. Uh, I would just put roof on there, so... And so if you would do that, that would be a wonderful thing. And then we'll just see over time how God just blesses us uh, to bring it uh, to where we have the money to just pay cash and replace the roof on the church. I think that's a good plan, don't you? Amen. I do. So thank you all for that. Uh, Brother Bill, if you could take that out to the foyer, I would appreciate that very much. If you have any questions about it whatsoever at all, I want you to see Mr. Bill. Ah, see, Mr. Bill. <laughs> but anyway, it's all good. So, a discipleship program. So uh, if you want to come and be part of that, it's a wonderful, wonderful time. Uh, you'll experience some freedom here on Monday nights. Uh, at 6, we do have some dinners that are going to be supplied some food uh, between 6 and 7. So I just want you to know that as well. So come and be part of it, and we'll have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful time. Um, let's see. I think that's all, right? That's all I have. Okay, let's go home. I'm just going to get in the- now, hey, listen, uh, no, I want you guys to, you know, we've been in the book of Acts for nearly a year, nearly a year, and so we're, fine, we're up to Acts chapter 18, so if you will, if you will open up your Bibles to Acts chapter 18, uh, we're going to pick up from where we left off uh, two weeks ago when uh, 
when we left Paul, and while you're turning there, uh, I, want to, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit, that the Lord just speaks to all our hearts this morning. And, uh, and I want you to really be in tune, uh, because there's going to be uh, there's a little uh, area uh, that I want to address this morning. Uh, that sometimes within the body of Christ there can be confusion, confusing, confusing in it, and it can be confusing. And uh, and I just want to encourage you to listen closely to what the Word of God has to say uh, about that thing when we get to it. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank you for the mighty name of Jesus. We know, Lord, there's no other name under heaven and earth by which any of us can be saved, save the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you for our guests that are in the house this morning. Lord, it's my prayer that, Lord, that they experience you above everything else. Lord, touch our hearts, Lord. Change our hearts, God. Make us more like you, just like the song said. Lord, we want to be like you, God. That's our goal is, Lord, that you would just manifest yourself in and through our life as we lay it down for your glory and, Lord, for our good. So, Father, we just give you praise this morning for your word. Pray, God, that you would just use us for your glory. We thank you for your word. Lord, it's a lamp unto our feet and it's a light unto our pathway. Lord, we must hide your word in our heart that we would not sin against you, God. That's what you've been teaching us in your word. And so we're so grateful for the first century church. We're thankful for the book of Acts that Luke had written. We thank you for the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, may we not miss that. Lord, we can't do anything apart from the Holy Spirit. And Lord, it's my prayer this morning as we go into the pages of your holy written word, God, that we would, we would see something that would be fresh and new in our hearts this morning. Lord, that would cause us to maybe repent and, Lord, and to, and to surrender ourselves even more so to you today. And God, that when we leave here, we leave here different than the way we came in these doors. Lord, that we would be, have a renewing of our mind. And God, that you would just give us your truth this morning, God. We give you praise. If there's anyone here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior, Lord, it's always my prayer and the prayer of this fellowship that they would come to the knowledge of the truth that, Jesus, you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're the Savior of all mankind who will receive you and receive that free gift of salvation. So, God, help us today, Lord, to hear your voice. Help us to draw a circle around ourselves as we enter into your precious word. And Lord, and that you would just uh, encourage us with your written word. We give you praise, honor, and glory for it all. For it's in Jesus' name. And all God's children said what? Amen. So Acts 18. So if you remember, last time we were together, we left the apostle Paul. He was leaving Corinth after some tension there, right? And he goes to Ephesus with Aquila and Priscilla. You remember, he shaved his head. He speaks in his synagogue over in Ephesus. Uh, the leaders ask him to stay, but uh, unlike other times, he refuses to stay. And then he goes to complete his second missionary uh, journey. And uh, so he goes on from there to Jerusalem. He goes to the temple. Uh, we, we presume he goes to the temple. And then he goes from there down to Antioch, back to the home base church. And, that, uh, and he completes his journey, his second missionary journey. Now, uh, we will add a new character to the mix this morning uh, of Christian preachers, I would say. And so I want us to read together in Acts 18, starting in verse 24. Everybody ready this morning? Go ahead and put your seatbelts on. Let's go. Here we go. It says uh, in verse 24, there was a Jew, and his name was Apollos, a native Alexandrian 
an eloquent man who was powerful in the use of the Scriptures, and he arrived in Ephesus. Apollos, Apollonius, is, he was a follower, uh, uh, the follower of Apollos. He was the, Apollos was considered an eloquent man. He was a really ups, he was an intelligent man, very wise, very educated, uh, well spoken of, and he could speak very good. He was a very good, good speaker, very order, good order. And so Apollos was a Jew, but he was a Jew that had a Greek name. I want you to understand who he is, uh, which means that, listen, he had a background in the Mosaic Law. He was a, a Hellenist of the Diaspora. Uh, the Diaspora is the great dispersion that took place in the Old Testament when the Israelites were taken captive into Babylon, and upon their freedom from that, a lot of them spread out all over Europe and Asia and different places. And so this is what we're looking. They went down to Alexandria here for him. He was born in Alexandria in Egypt, North Africa. And this is, by the way, where Jesus lived as a child. Back in during Herod's time, when Herod was killing the babies, remember they evacuated Jerusalem and they left, right? And so, and they went on down to Egypt, and that's where they went. And so here he was. So Alexander, Alexandria was founded by Alexander the Great. Unfortunately, during the time of Julius Caesar, it was all it all burnt down and was all destroyed. So who knows of all the wisdom that was lost back during that period of time? Look at verse 25. It says, This man had been instructed, Apollos, in the way of the Lord, and, 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 and pay attention, and being fervent in spirit, little s, he spoke and taught the things about Jesus accurately, although he knew only John's baptism. So here he was a disciple of John the Baptist. That's all he knew. Apollos believed uh, Jesus is the Messiah, but knows really nothing after John the Baptist. He doesn't know anything about Jesus, listen, dying and being buried and being risen from the dead. He had been instructed, listen, by word. He has a passion for the He could have been there. I don't know if he was or not, but that would be interesting. And then he might have left and gone back to Alexandria. I don't know. It was in Alexandria that the Greek version of the Old Testament was written. The Septuagint was Hebrew Old Testament translated to Greek by 70 people. It was finished in 132 B.C. 
There was a Jewish temple in Alexandria. The great center of the early church moved from Jerusalem, and we know down to Antioch where we're talking about, and then later on to Alexandria eventually. It remained important for several centuries of the early church history. And once again, listen, Apollos was well-trained in the Old Testament Scriptures. He spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord. He taught everything that he had learned, but he only knew about the baptism of John, the baptism of repentance. That's all that he knew. And he knew the Old Testament. He knew he knew all of the background of the Old Testament. He knew everything of all the prophecies that were being fulfilled about the Messiah. Isn't that funny that Jesus opened the eyes of his disciples so that they would see all the Old Testament prophecies when we started in the book of Acts? And then we see every person, even Stephen, when he was martyred, what did he explain? He explained the Old Testament prophecies about the coming of the Messiah. Uh, Peter, when he preached his first sermon, he resorts back to Old Testament prophecies of the coming of the Messiah. It was important for Jesus and for all of us to understand the Old Testament. In the culture today, in churches today, a lot of times we try to separate. Well, I think Old Testament doesn't matter. It's about We need to understand it. We need to take it in our heart and not forget it. It's important for us to do that. In verse 26, it says, He began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Listen, and it says, After Priscilla and Aquila heard him, listen, what, look what happened. They took him home and explained the way of God to him more accurately. More accurately. So here you have a husband and wife team. Remember Aquila and Priscilla? They came from where? They came from Italy. Remember, they were cast out by Claudius. Went to Corinth, right? And then that from Corinth, they go to Ephesus with Paul. And there they remain there while Paul ended his second missionary journey. And so here they are. They're there. And so, and so here Apollos, they go and they hear Apollos preach in the synagogue. But they understand he's missing some very important items, wouldn't you say? He's missing some very important things he doesn't really know about. This educated man just didn't know about because he wasn't around. He hadn't heard the stories yet. And so he raises up, listen, to speak boldly and mighty in his proclamation of what he understood to be the gospel. Apollos heard, shared what he knew. That's all he did, but he, he shared. He shared what he knew. Listen, he used what he had. Listen, he shared, he shared, he, he did what he could. 
He didn't just sit there. He didn't just sit on the sidelines. Even though he was deficient in knowing all the information, he stood up and he went out there and he shared what he could. There should be a lesson for Right? I know the time change is hard. I get it. I get it. I know. It's hard. It's hard. But listen, we all have a responsibility. We all have a dog in this hunt. Okay? We do. We need to be sharing. We need to be the voice of Christ to the world. You know, I was sharing with the men in the men's breakfast yesterday. I appreciate you men being here, men. Amen. Thank you for being here yesterday. Uh, but one of the things that I, I, I talk about, I talked with him about that God had just kind of showed me in First Timothy 3, it gives you, uh, it gives you um, the qualifications of positions in the church, pastor, elder, deacon, so forth, right? And it tells you what they're supposed to, what the goal, what, what they should be like, amen? It gives, you know, but husband and one wife, supposed to, be, uh, uh, supposed to be holy, filled with the Holy Spirit, all those things. It gives all these different qualifications of what it means that so you can be an elder or a pastor or a deacon. But sometimes when we look at that scripture, we just, we relegate it to somebody like me standing up here on the pulpit, and we never consider ourselves as part of that uh, sitting in the pew. And, and really, our attainment, we should be trying to attain those same standards. Those goals are written out there, listen, that we all should try to attain those kind of goals. That should be, that should be something that God in his word would try to invoke in us, that we would, we, would, we would fulfill like those qualifications. Not that you would be a deacon or a pastor or teacher or whatever, but that you would, you would fulfill, it should hold it as your goal that, hey, listen, I want to be like, and you never know what God would do when you get there and how God will use you. So never underestimate Listen, how much you matter. And you matter. We all matter to God. God wants to use each and every person in here. You might say, well, God don't want to use me. No, God wants, he is using you. He want, he's not using you if you're not letting him use you. He wants to use every soul in here, every mouthpiece, every lip, every tongue. He wants to use us, every action. Whether it be in a servant, sometimes preach and then sometimes use words, you know. He wants us to serve. He wants us to be there for other people. He wants us to reflect his son Jesus to the world. And that's what we should be doing. We should be reflecting. So here we have Achille and Priscilla invited Apollos home for dinner after the service. They realized his information was limited. So they told about Jesus. And all... Now, Apollos knows the rest of the story. You know, Paul Harvey, right? Verse 27. So, when he wanted to cross over to Achaia, which is Greece, so now he's leaving Ephesus, right? The brothers wrote to the disciples, urging them to welcome him in Corinth and those areas. After he arrived, he greatly helped those who had believed through grace. Isn't that awesome? So now, can you imagine this guy? This guy was already fervent in spirit, didn't know the whole story. So can you imagine? Listen, listen. Akira and Priscilla could tell him, saying, listen, hey, listen, Jesus is the Messiah. Look what Jesus did. Jesus came down here. He performed many miracles. He was born of a virgin. Man, he
You know? We could use some of that excitement, don't you think? I think we can. I think we knew. We need to. Apollos was a brilliant man. But up until the time of Kenneth Priscilla took him home for dinner, he didn't know the gospel of grace of God. Now here's a case where a woman helped a preacher a great deal. That's why her name is first. She taught him something that he didn't know. It's kind of amazing when you see that. Verse 28, For he vigorously refuted the Jews in public, demonstrating through the Scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah. He mildly convinced the Jews, showing them by the Scriptures that Jesus was the Christ. So there he is. He's breaking down. Now what has been hidden in the Old Testament, what he didn't even fully understood, now he fully understands it. And man, he's a fire plug for Jesus. And he's out there spreading the word, sharing, sharing all those prophecies and showing how they came true. They came to pass in the Lord Jesus Christ. So amazing. So amazing. He had taught with great passion the things of the Old Testament up through the ministry of John the Baptist. And he then left for Achaia, visiting the churches in Greece, including Corinth and Athens, preaching Jesus as a Messiah and Savior. And now we turn a page and we go in back to the Apostle Paul. And there's going to be a, something I want you guys to see at the end of this message concerning Apollos and the Apostle Paul. And it's a good lesson for the church, I think, this morning. Acts 19, turn to 19, starting in verse 1. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, it says that Paul traveled through the interior regions and came to Ephesus. So Paul left Antioch, went through some of the churches that he had established in Galatia and different places, and came on down to Ephesus, right? He found some disciples. He found some disciples in Ephesus and asked them, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? What'd they say? They said, no, they told him. We haven't even heard that there is the Holy Spirit. So you've got to ask yourself this question, why is that? Remember that Paul had come through Ephesus on his return trip from his second missionary journey, right? Telling them that he would return if God wills. That was our last, last time together. And so here he's making good on his promise, right? Now he's returning to Ephesus as he promised he would. I think that's so cool. But remember, listen, Paul was defeated by a great preacher. And that preacher's name was what church? Apollos. Absolutely. Apollos, when speaking to the Ephesians, knew nothing of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That is until who? Priscilla and Aquila had instructed him. Apollos only preached the baptism of John. This was as far as his knowledge had went at that time. So in Ephesus, the people had only been instructed only as far as... If you were looking to King James Version, I think I put it on the screen, uh, it quotes the question of the Holy Spirit. This is what the King James says. It says, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? Listen, both verbs, receive and believe, are in the same tense. They're in present tense. That's what they are. They're in the same tense. In other words, it happens what? At the same time. It's present. 
both receive and believe is at the same time. We need to understand this, church. We need to understand this very well. In the American Standard Version translated, it says, Did ye receive the Holy Spirit when ye believed? A little different. It says, or, uh, and it says, or the Holman Christian Standard Version, which we read earlier, said, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? You notice the difference? It's not that he received the Holy Spirit after they believed, but they received the Holy Spirit at the same time that they believed. That sounds familiar from the beginning of Acts at Pentecost, does it not? It's the same thing. You see, Paul is asking them, he's asking that when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? That's what Paul's asking them. And their response was what? No. They had not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Listen, they had been instructed only up to the baptism of John. They had not been taught about for folks who came out of the diaspora in the Old Testament. So there's different languages all over the world. And and the Holy Spirit is allowing the disciples, using them to speak plainly to people in their own native language. And it's just an interesting thing when we see this. Their response was no. They had not even heard there was a Holy Spirit. They had not been taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 3. Look what happens. Then what baptism, Paul asked him, were you baptized with? Look what he asked them. He asked them. And they said what? With John's baptism, they replied. You see, these people were baptized, but here's the issue. They weren't saved. They were baptized, but they weren't saved. They were baptized. Listen, they did not receive the Holy Spirit because they were not saved. That's why they didn't receive the Holy Spirit. You see, the moment you trust Christ, you are regenerated. the Holy Spirit full reign in our life. We're the holder.
pool. I got a pool guy that comes by every week. And uh, his name is Vinny. And I've been praying for this boy, right? I've been praying for him. He's got some precious kids. He's got a precious family. He's a precious, nice guy. But I know he doesn't go to church. And I know he doesn't, his family don't go to church anywhere. I don't know that he's saved. And I got in a conversation, and I was praying as I was in the conversation Tuesday when I'm home studying. That's when he comes. So God, like, just kind of put, drops him right there, you know. And so I'm studying all this stuff right here, and I'm like, geez, yeah, here it is. And so he comes in, and I said, Lord Jesus, I said, help me to be your voice to Vinny. And so, and so I had an opportunity. He was talking about raising his kids. He wants them to have better. He wants them to be educated. He wants all this, that, and the other, you know, for his kids. And so, and I, and I think, man, that's great. I said, man, Dad. he said, yeah, yeah. He says, listen, my kids want to come home. They want to go in the room and play video games. And they said, hey, I go play video games. He says, let me go on the computer. Let me see what your report card looks like. And so he said, he goes on there, and if they have a grade that's below 80%, he says, he don't let them do it. They got to go get in their books, get their grades up. If they exceed 80%, he says, go, go and have fun. Have a good time. I said, man, that's awesome, man. I said, that's, that's incredible. And so it kind of opened the door for me. I said, that's great to give them great things in this life. But then I brought up the question, well, uh, what happens in the next life for them? And so as we got talking about that, I got talking about it, He says, you know, he says, well, you know, and, and he has a Roman Catholic background. Great, great guy, great, great, wonderful man, you know. As I got a chance to talk with him a little bit, he got telling me about, he says, you know what? He says, my grandma, I have a grandmother that's like 93 years old, and she had to go back up north to go into a home because we couldn't take care of her anymore we, as a family. We, she had to have some help, and that's where she's originally from. That's where she wanted to be. And so, but he said, when, when his grandmother left, he said, he said, but she left me with her Bible. She left her Bible to me. Big old, it's a big old Bible, and this and that, and this and that. And I said, really? I said, well, that's cool, man. I said, so, I said, have you read any of it? He said, nah. <laughs> I, said, I said, dude, come on, man. So anyway, so I had this book. I said, man, listen, I got, and I started talking about Jesus. I talk about the reality of Jesus in the Old Testament, the reality of Jesus in the New Testament. I started talking about, you know, I got preaching a little bit. And so anyway, I was talking to him as simply as I could, right? But then I had this book, it's called Beyond Belief, and it's an apologetics book. So I went in the house, I said, oh, I got something I want you to take home. So I ran in the house, and I got this apologetics book, and I went out there. I said, man, if you go through this book, if you look at this, he said, I said, it talks about God, it talks about Jesus, it talks about the Word of God, talks about His virgin birth, talks about His death on the cross, talks about His resurrection, and it'll answer any and all questions that you might have about those specific things, like where the Bible came from, all this stuff, right? I said, but I want to challenge you to do something, though, because there's references to Scripture in that book. And what I want you to do is I want you to take your grandma's Bible, and I want you to sit it beside this book. And as you read through this book, I said, I want you to look in her Bible. And see if that Bible doesn't speak to your heart when you read it and you compare it with what you're studying in that book. I have no clue if he's read it yet or anything, but I'm sure I'll find out. But I want you to be praying. His name is Vinny. His name is Vinny. Appropriate New York name, Vinny, right? And so just pray for Vinny. And uh, pray that the Holy Spirit of God reaches down and transforms his life. So that he can impart 
God's wisdom into the minds and hearts of his young family. That they too would come to know Jesus as Savior and be saved. Listen, folks, this is, this is what we're supposed to be doing. This is our mission, to get the Word of God out, to share Jesus Christ with whomever. You see, the moment you trust Christ, listen, you are regenerated by the Spirit. You are indwelt by the Spirit. You are sealed by the Spirit. And you are baptized in the body of believers by the Spirit of God. And this happens the moment you believe and trust Jesus as your Savior. Now, Paul noticed that this had not happened to these gentlemen yet. Now, Paul explains that, hey, they must trust the Lord Jesus to be saved. This is what he explains to them. They must trust the Lord Jesus to be saved. And they respond to his message, and it says that many believe. Look at verse 4. Paul said, John baptized with a baptism of repentance, telling the people, saying he gives an explanation of why John baptized, telling the people that they should believe in the one who would come after him, that is in Jesus. When they heard this, it says they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. The baptism of John was a baptism of repentance. That's all it was. Preparing them for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the people turned to Christ and they are what? They're saved. They did not get saved under Apollos because what? He didn't even know about Christ when he preached to them. Some people interpret this passage to mean that they had been saved. And then later, when Paul came, they received the Holy Spirit. That is not true, as we could see just by the chronological sequence of the verses and what the words receive and believe mean in the present tense. Verse 6, And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in other languages and to prophesy. Now there were about 12 men in all. Listen, no, these men can now speak the gospel in other languages. Other languages. Why? Look at where they were. Where were they? They were in Ephesus. Ephesus was a trade route. Ephesus, man, was the gateway to Asia and Europe and everywhere in between. And we're going to see next week as we get into where Paul, he has a privilege for two years. He stays for two years in Ephesus to teach in this hall of Tyrannius. And we're going to talk about that next week. But listen, it's a trade route. And you're going to see that other churches are birthed out of Ephesus because of Paul's preaching. And because of Apollos' preaching as well. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I want to encourage you. Read it. There were many languages just like they had in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. East and west met all along this coast. It was a great city of that day. These men were now able to give the good news of Christ to the entire city. Notice there were 12 men. This was the beginning of the ministry at Ephesus. Paul had 12 disciples. Paul had a great ministry in Corinth and even a greater ministry in Ephesus, which we're going to get more into next week. Two things I wanted you to hear this morning. One has to do with the Holy Spirit. Folks, when you're saved, all of the Holy Spirit comes on you. As you release yourself to the Holy Spirit, He does His perfect work in your life to do whatever it is you're gifted to do. That's how He operates. The other thing I wanted you to see, and it's very important for the church, if you open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want you to see something here. I think this is so important because we know the Apostle Paul, when we went beginning the book of uh, Acts, 
uh, he studied under who? Gamaliel, right? He studied under uh, one of the greatest, uh, the Pharisees of all Pharisees, greatest teachers there ever was. When we look at Apollos, though, and, and listen, and we heard Paul talk about that he was an eloquent at speech. You remember him, Paul saying that? He wasn't really eloquent at speech. He stumbled around or whatever. He had a thorn in his flesh that prevented him from doing a lot of things. And it was a problem for Paul. And then you got Apollos, though, on the, other, on the other side. He's raised in the city of Alexandria. Very intellectual place. We're talking about a place with all these philosophers and intellectuals. You know, modern Greek. It was, I mean, listen, Alexandria was the capital of Egypt. It was just a hubbub of teaching and university with, a, with that huge library and everything. It was great thinkers came out of Alexandria. This is, why, this is why Paulus was an eloquent man. He was eloquent. He was highly educated. He was a great orator. He could speak and gathered people, and people would listen. He had the enthusiasm to back it up, and that's what he did. And so it was just amazing. So, so what do you think could have happened where Apollos and Paul are concerned? Could there have been some jealousy or some enviousness between them? We've got to think about it. Because see, Apollos came into Ephesus before Paul did. But we know that somewhere Paul and Apollos came together. And you know what? And this could have been a very big detriment for the church. It could have been a huge detriment. But this was God's plan. And this is why I love because, see, Paul's led by the Holy Spirit. Apollos also now is being led by the Holy Spirit. And I want you to look in 1 Corinthians. I want us to read something here. Paul writes to the Corinthians, which is where we see Apollos is located at. Look in verse 10. Look what it says. Because, see, Paul was writing to Corinthians because they were like little children. There was, he rebuked them. For a good first part of the first major section of the first Corinthians, he re, he's rebuking the Corinthians because of what they're doing. And then he talks about this one specific thing in verse 10. He says, Now I urge you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all say the same thing, that there be no what? Divisions among you, and that you be united with the same understanding. With the same understanding. Listen. For it has been reported to me, same understanding and same conviction. For it has been reported to me about you, my brothers, by members of Chloe's household, that there are quarrels among you. And what I'm saying is this. Each of you says, look what he says. I'm with Paul. Or I'm with who? I'm with Apollos. Or I'm with Cephas, which is Peter. Or I'm with Christ. He says, is Christ divided? Is Christ divided, church? No, no way, no way. He's not. What, so was it Paul who was crucified for you? No. Or were you baptized in Paul's name? No. He goes, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Crispus and Gaius. And we know where they're from, the synagogue, right? In Corinth, right? So that no one can say you had been baptized in my name. I did, in fact, baptize the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't know if I baptized anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with clever words. <laughs> you know, probably unlike Apollos, probably had clever words. <laughs> he probably did. He was smart. So that the cross of Christ will not be empty of its effect. 
So Paul is removing himself. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. Now I want you to turn over to chapter 3. Turn over to chapter 3, and I want you to follow along with me for just a minute. We're going to close here. In chapter 3, he said, Brothers, I was not able to speak to you as a spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as babies in Christ, because they're, they're quarreling, right? He goes, I fed you milk, not solid food, because you were not yet able to receive it. In fact, you are still not able, because you are still fleshly. For since there is envy and strife among you, are you not fleshly and living at ordinary people? For whom, whenever someone says, I'm with Paul, here we go. And another says, I'm with Apollos. Are you not typical men? So look at verse 5. So what is Apollos? Question mark. And what is Paul? Question mark. They are servants through whom you believed, and each has the role that the Lord has given. And then he says these very famous words. He says, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? God always gives the increase. It's always about God. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now the one who plants and the one who waters are equal, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's what? Co-workers. Come on, church, say it. We are God's what? There's no standalone. We work together. We're e co-equals co-workers. You are God's field, God's building, according to God's grace that was given to me as a skilled master builder. I have laid a foundation, and another builds on it, but each one must be careful how he builds on it, because no one can lay any other foundation than what has been laid. That is what? Jesus Christ and him alone. This is a beautiful picture when you see this and it's a warning for you and for me in a new church because see so many times we can come in here and one person thinks hey listen this is my territory this is my job this is where i belong listen don't don't come into where i'm working don't come in here this is mine i own this you know and you get puffed up a little bit because you think somebody's trying to invade your territory or somebody else says well well they're coming into my my ministry my territory this and that Paul and Apollos could have had that same quarrel, but they didn't, did they? What they do? They worked together. They glorified Jesus. They were in unity. They were in harmony to each other. Church, this is what I want for us as a body of Christ. Work together for the common good. Listen, the foundation is Jesus. We're just the workers. We're the worker bees in here, and he's gifted you and me so many various different gifts. And I want to encourage you this morning. Listen, don't take so much ownership that you end up idly worshiping yourself and what you're doing. There's only one thing to worship. There's one person to worship, and that's Jesus Christ. We must worship him in what? Spirit and truth. And so with all the love that I have, man, let's guard our hearts. Let's guard our minds. Let's guard the fellowship. Let's guard what we're doing here as we're building for Jesus' glory, right? Because one day we're going to leave this world as Christians, and we're going to be gathered around the throne, and God's going to give a crown that he's prepared for each one of us. And what we're going to do with that crown? We're going to take that crown, and we're going to take it off our head, and we're going to gently lay it at the feet of a Savior who shed his blood and died on a cross for you and for me. Get that picture in your head.
It's not about me as a pastor. It's not about any one of us. It's got to all be about who? Jesus, the Son, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world that we do not deserve, not one person in this room or in the world. It's all about Jesus. We get to heaven and we bow down and we sing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's about Jesus. Hang on, saints. We've got some people and friends that are already there doing that. That we love. That we cherish. That we miss already. But that's how it's on. That's why life is a vapor. We're here today, gone tomorrow. You don't know when it's your appointment, but you have one, I promise you. Be ready. Be instant in season. Out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. Do the work of an evangelist. Tell people about Jesus with words and without words. We can do that, church. Amen? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would encourage you this morning, let Jesus be Lord and Master of your life. If you're here this morning, you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior. That's your first step. You can't hear nothing, do nothing, understand nothing until you know Jesus as your Savior. And he came, he left heaven and died for your sin. Allow him to wash your sin away. He already did it 2,000 years ago. All you got to do is receive it, believe it. Ask him to come into your heart and to change your life. He wants to do that for all of you, all of us. Somebody's already done. But maybe there's somebody in this room that's never done that. They can't think of a time in their past where they just said, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Because it's true, you can't. We're inadequate. He's our adequacy. He's the one who gives us power. He's the one who gives us strength and might. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I'm tired. I've been struggling, 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 struggling. I'm trying to make ends meet. I'm trying to make things fit, this and that. And, and, and I haven't reached out to you, Jesus, like I should have. Lord, I needed something different. Something's got to change. Lord, come into my heart this morning. Come into my heart wash away my sin. I believe, as Pastor Phil said, that you died on the cross for my sins. I believe that you were buried too. And I believe that you rose from the dead. And you did that just as if you did it for me. Come into my heart this morning, Jesus, and change my life. I ask you, I beg you to touch my life and transform my life. Change me, Jesus. Lord, I turn away from all the garbage I've been doing and I want to chase after you with all my heart. And I thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid for me. Open my eyes that I may see. Open my ears that I may hear the truths of your word that I would be rescued from eternal separation from you and be in the bosom of Abraham, of God, of Jesus. Lord, come into my life this morning. I thank you, Jesus, for saving me this morning and coming into my heart. With every head bowed and everybody closed, no one look around. Is that you this morning? Did you pray some, some, some prayer like that and ask Jesus to come into your heart? If you did, listen, I want to celebrate. No one's looking around. If you ask Christ to come into your heart this morning to save you, just lift up your hand let me know signify it by letting me know amen 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 father i thank you for your word lord i pray for every christian here that we can walk on the authority of your word uh, by the leadership of the holy spirit within us 
that we would surrender ourselves unto the Lordship of the Holy Spirit, God, and that you would lead us into all truth. Help us to make the most of every opportunity you give us every single day until you take us home, just like you took Brother Lloyd home, Sister Vicki home. They are resting in the arms of Jesus. Lord, we don't need to be resting here. We, we are going to receive our rest when we get there. Help us to be diligent. Lord, we have Easter coming up, Lord. We pray for that weekend. We pray for Community Day, that we can share the gospel, share the love and the light of Jesus Christ to our community on that Saturday. We pray for the whole weekend, God, that you would fill us. Begin filling us now, God, as we surrender to you, God, that we would surrender and, Lord, and be filled. Father, I thank you for everybody here this morning. Use us. Protect us from the evil one. Use us for your glory to be your mouthpiece to a lost and dying world. I praise you, Lord Jesus, for it all. For it's in Jesus' name. And all God's people said what? Amen. Y'all have a wonderful week. Wonderful. So good to see you. Your grace is enough.